You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Who are the people in your neighborhood? I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Bethel is another. Like, we are neighbors to each other. We're also church neighbors as well. And we're called not only to do church work, but I call it castle work, but we're called to do kingdom work as well. So as we're just moving through life, just remember, you're always focusing about home. We're always kind of my four and no more, so to speak. But God has called you to the kingdom. So who are the people in your neighborhood? That is me. That is you. When I accepted this invitation, I said, Lord, what, what do they need to hear? What does South you need to hear? Then I said, Lord, what do I need to hear? Because uh, there's a lot of times preachers, some of their best messages will be something that they're preaching out of a place of needing it themselves. So God told me to say this. He said, he said tell them who they are and what they're called to do. Tell them who they are and what they're called to do. We each have our own individual purposes as well as our corporate purpose within the body of Christ. They work in tandem together. I'll tell people a lot of times when they're coming and they say, yeah, I sing or I play an instrument. I say, okay, you gonna serve sometime? Or, ah, well, I don't know. Um, okay, do you play anywhere else? Yeah, I play in downtown Nashville. I play blah, 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 blah. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. We're, give, let's give God his, and then he allows you to do those other things. So I'm just happy about being in the purpose of God. Let's pray. I wanna pray this verse as well. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for clearing out the clutter for the only one that matters. Lord, I thank you that your grace and mercy is with us now. Speak to me, speak through me, and allow it to fall on good ground and spring forth good fruit in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as I pray, I'm going to pray Isaiah 43, 1. The Lord who has created you, O Jacob, he formed you, O Israel. He's telling you to fear not. He says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, for you are mine. He is saying that anyone that messes with you, they have to contend with me. I'm saying that again. Anyone that messes with you, the father is saying they have to contend with your daddy. So thank you for being a good, good father. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians 1.16 says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. God has given you dominion to reign, to, to just not live a life just in obscurity and uncertainty. Uncertainty. You shouldn't live a life just, well, I'm just here filling space. No, you have a purpose and you're designed by God for his glory. Then the Bible says we go from glory to glory. So just because you start at one place in glory, there should be another levels of glory. We are made for his glory. You get the key word we're saying? Glory. You get the worship songs? Glory. We're made to give him glory. And all glory belongs to God. What is glory? This question can never be answered thoroughly or exhaustively, but I have a definition that we're going to, that should give it some a little justice here is the glory of God is the weight of his majesty and goodness as well as the name or reputation he gets from showing himself to the world. Let that sit in. 
that's just a glimpse of what the glory is like. He reveals himself through this glory as creator, sustainer, judge, redeemer. He's perfect in justice, perfect in mercy, perfect in love and kindness. He's full of truth. So this is a God that elicits praise. He calls for praise. He, he should, he's the God that when you really tap into his glory, he draws praise out of you. He extracts praise out of you. There are two kinds of glory I want to talk about. And one is intrinsic and the other is ascribed. Intrinsic glory is just this. Existing in someone or something as a permanent and inseparable element, quality or attribute. What that means is it says he's inherent. In other words, his glory is built in. So if you just sat in worship and did nothing, he's still going to get the glory because it's built in. If you just say, you know, I'm tired today, I'm going to stay home. Whether you're home, here, whatever you're doing, he's going to get glory. The Bible says something like this. It says, if you don't praise him, what's going to? So he's going to get glory no matter what you do. Now, that sounds like, okay, well, he doesn't need me, but yet he does. Because there's another glory called ascribed glory. And this is a glory that says to credit or assign, to cause or source, to an attribute. What that means is to give him credit, to give him glory. In other words, you're charging him with praise. You're charging him with glory. You're saying good things about him. You're speaking well of him. That's the glory that he takes. He already has glory, but it combines with the glory he already has. Then I'm going to talk about how he gives it back to you just so you can give it back to him. It's a cycle. He gives it to you. You give it to him. Now let's keep going. Glory is something uh, that is best described as, as, as being, it's, it's fully demonstrated by his potential, not just his potential, but God in us, he works through us. His glory is, it, the Bible says like he's joy unspeakable and he's full of glory. So it's something that cannot be explained. Everything he is and everything he has, all of his wisdom, power, majesty, wealth, strength, authority, excellence, holiness, and more is all in his glory. There's a story when I was in uh, fourth grade uh, in Akron, Ohio. I am from Akron, Ohio. And I will follow LeBron wherever he goes. We got beat pretty bad a couple weeks ago. But uh, yes, we, we're moving on. But when I was in fourth grade in Akron, Ohio, there was, um, I was in, there was a, a, a bully. Whoever had a bully? Whoever seen a bully? There was a bully <laughs> that was in our classroom. And what happened is this bully just antagonized everybody. But I guess it was my week. Because a bully looked at me and said, meet me at the flagpole. Now, in the 80s, that was a thing. When someone wanted to fight you, they look at you and they go. It's kind of like, I'm like, what, what the Andy Griffin is that? It's, that's an old school, old school I want to fight thing. But what I did is I said, oh, man. And his name was Damon. Damon the bully. Demon Damon, they say. Damn the bullet. So I avoided it. So when class would end, teachers said, get in line so we can line up and go out of school. I'd be the first in line. Now my dad's mom said, follow. You and your sister walk together. No, not that week. My sister, see you, sis. I'm getting away from Damon. And then even during recess, I'd, I'd go to the teacher and say, hey, is there any books you need stacked extra nicely? I would avoid Damon. One particular Sunday, we were at this thing called Sunday school. We went to Sunday school when we were little, and the, there was a bus that went out through the neighborhood and picked up a van that picked up the neighborhood kids. 
gets, and then the van pulls up. Guess who gets off? It's not Damon. Y'all gonna say Damon. Guess who gets off the bus? Andre. You say, who's Andre? Andre's the biggest bully in the school, period. He's like the bully of all bullies. They go to his bully training class. Like, Andre is the one that's like, oh my gosh, that's Andre. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what is he doing here? He's in Sunday school, oh my gosh, we're trying to learn about Jesus and he's trying to beat Jesus up. I'm like, what's going on? So then what happened is me and Andre became cool. He's like, you're from my school. Like, yeah, yeah, Andre, I am. Hey, buddy. And so we become cool. So then I'm like, oh, this is great. Me and Andre are cool. Andre, I got a problem here. I said, do you know Damon? He said, Damon. Yeah. I said, yeah, he's, he's been pulling me around. And he said, well, you know what? Yeah, don't worry. He said, wait a minute. I said, what you going to do, Andre? Nothing. You got it. How do I got it? He, he said, look at your hands. Now, mind you, my hands were about this size still in fourth grade. <laughs> I didn't realize until so Andre said it. He, he got gloves, he got mitts. My hands were like this, they fit my body now. And, and same, with my, same with my head, my head, I was known as, hey, he got a big head. I grew into these things. But my hand was about this size and these knuckles were about this size in fourth grade. So he said, everybody knows, like a lot of people know, like he said, ball a fist. I made a fist. He said, man, you can knock anybody out. So I said, ooh, I got a superpower. It was BHK, big hand kid. You mess with me, you're gonna have to mess with these knuckles. So when I saw Damon again, he started antagonizing me. I just said to him, I said, I'm not afraid of you. And I clenched my fist and Damon didn't do anything. I'm like, oh, I guess that worked. Now when I turned around, I saw Andre behind me <laughs> looking at Damon and I was like, oh. And so he, I found out later that Andre had a conversation with Damon. So Andre to me represented Jesus. How do, when, when, you, when, you, when Jesus tells you who you are, now don't leave here saying, he, Pastor Will made Jesus a bully. <laughs> but when Jesus tells you who you are and what you have, but then he doesn't even allow you, you don't even have to use your weapons because he's already won the battle for you. He's already had a talk with Damon, with the demons. He's already had a, a conversation that already told them, if you mess with my child, you will not see the end of it. So I just thank God for the God that tells us who we are, but then also he steps in and he steps in the way, he steps in the way of what the enemy's trying to do. So to give God a praise for that, that story came to me, just bless me. So what does that mean for us? We are the carriers. My message title is The Carriers. Let's turn to, scroll to, swipe to, look up at 2 Samuel 6, starting with verse 13. We're going to talk about some carriers here. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and fatted calf wearing a linen ephod. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. When he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the shout of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place, inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Why was David so overjoyed about bringing this ark into the city of David? The ark, let me explain what he was bringing 
This thing called the Ark or the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of God, it symbolized God's glory. It represented God's glory slash presence, his presence. So they carried this. So I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to expound on three things concerning this ark. Number one, they followed the ark. Number two, they left the ark. Number three, they sought and regained the ark. So they took the ark wherever they went. Let me explain this setup. Placement is everything. They would now, now we have a church, but before a church, we had it was called a temple. Before a temple, it was called a tabernacle. Tabernacle is just a temple and a church, but it's movable. They would pick it up, they would plant it somewhere else. They would pick it up, plant it somewhere else. So while they were doing all this, they would set the ark in the middle of everything. Then everybody's tents would set up around this ark, facing the ark. So they say, Oh, good night, glory. Good morning, glory. So there was this ark that sat in the middle, and they all kept their eyes on the glory. They all kept their eyes on this ark. Let me go back even more after it, to Moses. This, this was a whole setup. God told Moses, I want to dwell with my people. When they escaped from Egypt, he said, I want to dwell with my people. And this was his plan. He said, make me an ark. They overlaid it. It was made of wood. A rectangular box, they overlaid it with gold. Inside the ark were the attributes of God. So wherever the glory is, the attributes of God come with it. Wherever the glory is, his character comes with it. Inside the ark were three main things. The staff, Aaron's staff, which symbolizes the power of God. So with this ark comes the glory. With the glory comes the power. Next was the manna, which symbolizes the provision of God. With the manna, there comes provision and glory. Then the tablets, which represent the word of God. It was the Ten Commandments, but it represents the word of God. So that represents the promises. So here we have the power, provision of God, and the promises of God all wrapped in this situation. So they followed this all day and night. You know we need the presence because we're created to worship. And you can't be in this middle ground where it's like, well, I'm tired. I don't feel like worshiping. You're going to, after a while, worship something. Because, again, you were created to worship. People that don't come to church on Sundays, there's something that else that they're worshiping. So it's all about us turning our affection and our attention on the one worthy of all praise and worship. So keeping your eyes fixed on God. Number two, they left the glory. So let me go back to this. Israel's focus was on the ark until it wasn't. So I'm going to go back before David, the whole dancing thing that I just talked about. Long time before that, a guy named Eli, he was a priest in the temple. And his sons were wicked, Hophni and Phinehas. They were the worship leaders. They, were, they did all the praise dancing. They did a lot of terrible things. The Bible called, said they were wicked. And what they would do, they would steal from the temple. They were doing promiscuous things. In the temple, they disrespected. The ark is there. They would, they'd probably be just laying on it, just disrespecting this ark. And during battle, it was prophesied that he told, uh, the prophet told Eli, he said, your sons will die on the same day. And they went into battle. And they, obviously, when they were in battle, they carried the ark. And they left, they died, excuse me. They, they got killed in battle. And the ark was taken by the Philistines. They took this ark. 
Now, you, that sounds like a bad thing, and it is a bad thing. Eli's sons were wicked. Oh, it said they were wicked and worthless. What battle in your life is causing you to lose track of the glory? What battle comes where you forget where God is at, the presence of God, and you try to fight it on your own? They had lost the glory because they dishonored it, disrespected it. They ignored it, and so the enemy took the glory. I didn't mention this first service, but there was an interesting thing the Philistines did when they first brought it in. Philistine. They put it in, it's called the House of Dagon, and they set their statue up, Dagon the statue, it was a fish god. Set it next to the, set the ark next to it. That next morning he woke up, that statue was falling on his face. Then they set it back up again. The next morning, not only was it falling on his face, but the head was chopped off and the hands were chopped off. So therefore showing that there was no power in here or in this, it had no authority or power. So it shows you that this glory, nothing that's like, if something's not like God, it can't be in the same place. It won't work in the same place. So then what happened is they started having turmoil. God sent turmoil their way. This lasted for seven months. So the Philistines would send the glory, they would send the uh, the ark away. They say, send it to that person. That person's like, oh, this is bad. Send it to that person. Oh, man, things are horrible. And then I can see them by the fifth person is like, don't send me that. Get that out of here. They kept sending this to get out of the wrath of God. Then after a while, they gave it as a peace offering back to the children of Israel, and it went to a man's house named Abinadab. And what Abinadab did, they put it in the corner, and he covered it. For 20 years, it was there, not doing anything. It was just laying, it was just sitting there, and it's almost like putting a sign on it saying, out of order. No one was using it. Sometimes we can get out of order. We, I know in, uh, we call it pop in uh, the Midwest, but it's called soda. But I remember just pop, a pop machine just putting your money in it, and you're pushing a button trying to get something out. It doesn't work. Putting your money. And then after a while, you get desperate. You start pushing stuff you don't even like. I'm not even crazy about diet uh, RC Cola. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that's like so random. And it's not coming. And then... You tell the person that owns the machine, and what do they put? They put a sign on this machine. What does that sign say? It says, out of order. That's some of us because what God is putting into us is life. He's giving us strength. He's giving you your family. He's giving you blessings, and all he's trying to get back is some glory. At least this much glory. Ah, Let me try lesser. Just give me a little. And then after a while, he puts a sign on you saying, you're out of order. Because he's giving you something. And there's no return. So that's what they did to the ark. They put it to the side. It was out of order. I have come here to tell you, bring the ark back to Franklin, to Spring Hill, to Thompson Station. Southview, bring the glory back. Make sure the glory doesn't leave. Don't lose track of the glory. The glory is the manifestation of God's presence as perceived by us. The greatest way we can possibly perceive it, the glory of God. And he he visit us today. Let me fix that word, visit us today. Sometimes we're thinking, Lord, visit us. Come by here. He's everywhere already. It's about us changing our perspective. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What does that word magnify mean? 
like yes, some people say to to make bigger, but no, a magnifying glass doesn't make something bigger. But what it does, it changes your perspective of the thing you're looking at. You take a butterfly, you put a magnifying glass on it, it didn't get bigger. But you start noticing things you never notice. So as you magnify the Lord, you're like, whoa, you are full of mercy. I didn't know you had healing like that. I didn't know that you walked it. I'm able to walk in victory because of what I see right there. So as you're giving God glory, magnify him, you're bringing your perspective of him to a different place. So it's not like, Lord, come by here. It's, Lord, take me where you're at. And he will take you there. This message is called the carriers. They followed the glory through this ark. They carried the glory. They followed and carried. How do you follow someone you're carrying? I think about my granddaughter and my grandchildren and my, even my children when they're little, they followed me, but I didn't really carry them places. You, you hear what I'm saying? But, but this is the kind of glory that he not only wants you to follow, but he puts it inside you. Now he's, he wants you to carry it because it's contagious and it will accomplish what it was sent to do. So he wants us to pursue it, to follow it, to carry it. He wants us to communicate, and he wants us to chase it, to go after it. So you guys are called to carry. You are carriers. You're called to carry the glory, the image of God. You are image bearers of God. David was carrying the glory, and when they stopped, when they stopped carrying the glory and stopped following the glory, that's when everything went haywire. We are called to carry the glory. And no, we don't have an ark. Can you show me the ark? Yeah. We don't have an ark. I know my, this is my uh, Crackle Barrel version. You can find that in there. But we don't, <laughs> the ark re looks like that. Now that's in our heart. Those things that's in there. Because remember I said, with the ark, it doesn't mean just the wooden box overlaid with gold. And it goes to deeper than that, to the thing that's inside of it that's, and the thing that it represents. So when you're carrying the glory, you're carrying what, what was it? It was a staff which represents his power. The manna which represents his provision. And the tablets, which is a word of God, which represent, represents promises. So you give God glory, he's giving you his promises. You give God glory. Anybody need provision for anything? Oh, give him glory. Give him glory. Don't do it out of a manipulation. I'm going to give you this so you can get. No, give him authentic, authentic glory and you can watch. You'll watch what he does. And then every promise he has promised you. Every promise he has promised you, continue to give him glory. Praise him through it. What, praise your way through, worship your way out. I did a podcast with my friends. Good to see you guys at Diggs. Wave your hand, act like you know me. Remember? Me? Remember? <laughs> He's a jokester. That's why I can do that. He's going to pay me back several different ways. But God's presence is in his glory. His glory and his presence are together. So you can't have both the same time. You can't have... Uh, disappointments. I know you have trials and disappointments, but you can't have fear and anxiety and still have the glory. Something's got to go. And let me make it easy for you. You don't have to say, okay, well, God, and we do this. Lord, take this away from me. Take that away from me. Lord, extract that. No, 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 no. Change that to, Lord, fill me with this. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Then he pushes out everything that's not like him. 
I tell people all the time when, when I'm talking to somebody, well, I, I, this Jesus sounds good. I want to accept him, but, you know, I, I do this and I do that and those things I know he don't like. I say, oh, I'll bring all that with you because when you get a taste of this God I'm talking about, he's going to push out the taste and the desire to even have it. So don't continue to ask God to take things. Ask for more of his glory and watch him push out the things that aren't like him. So we have power, provision, and promises. Number three, they sought and regained the glory. So I know we talked about uh, Eli's wicked sons. We talk about Benadab, how the ark is sitting there, out of order, is on it. Years later, David grows up hearing this story, and he becomes king. Now he has the power to do something about it. He said, where's that ark? Is that oh, Benadab's house? And it's been there for 20 years. He said, oh, we need to go get that glory. We need to go. So they put the ark, they went there and they put the ark on a cart. They messed up. But you know what? It wasn't like they made this up. What they did, they followed the pattern of the enemy of what the Philistines did. So there's some things that God is trying to cut a new path for you, but you're still mocking some old path that's not going to work. So, so what they did, they made this cart, which the instructions were, Pull the, if you can pull the ark back up, the instructions were to carry it by the poles and never to touch it, never to open it. They were supposed to carry it, set it, and forget it, and it's there, and you worship. So what happened, they carried it on this cart. The oxen is pulling the cart. The oxen hits its threshold. The cart starts to wobble. It starts to fall over, and my brother, his name is Uza, Eza, whatever his name is, Gona, because he because he touched the glory of God. He touched the ark, and he was instructed not to. So then David gets distraught. What? 20 years, it was, we lost it in battle years ago. It went here, it went there. It, it was sitting out of order. We're pulling it back. Lord, I'm doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I didn't quite do it right, but how many times have we tried to manufacture the glory? When God wants a true praise, a true worship, and we think, okay, well, it looks like this. Let me just whip this together and throw it to God. No, 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 no. That, 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 that's that Cain type of sacrifice. But the one that comes from the heart, the non-manufactured glory, he wants authentic glory from you. So the cart stumbles. He touches it. He falls. David's distraught. He sends it to this, guy's name's house, this guy named Obed-Edom's house. And guess what happened there? The Lord blessed his house. He blessed his house. He blessed his family. It's like going down in your neighborhood and every house lights. It's like the electricity is out in the neighborhood and then there's one house that's just lit and it's jumping like this. It's kind of like Bucky's gas station in the middle. You go to Bucky's in the middle of the night, it's like it's a gas station in the day and it's a club at night. You like, Throw me some of that brisket. So it was like the glory set in this man, the ark set in this house and it became this crazy party all the time, and the whole house would, so then David's like, what, wait, wait, no, 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 we need to get that back, and this time, we're going to do it correctly, so David goes, he has an assignment, he, he, they go, and they get the ark back, and that's where we catch up to where I started, David's dancing before the Lord, with all his might, and another interesting thing happens. He dances, his clothes start coming off, and his wife looks at him, and she despises him and says, this is pitiful. How kingly was that? 
She said, you're dancing around like one of the vulgar servants, clothes half falling off for the whole world to see. I dare you to give God a praise. But here's the thing. Now I dare you to give God a praise. It's don't let anyone distract your praise. Because she came home and she said all these things to him, but then God made her barren for the rest of her life. Not saying God, I'm not putting that on anyone, but you're, you're looking at somebody like, why are they doing that? No, no, you should join in. You should join in on this praise because you are carriers. You are carriers. Who are the people in the neighborhood? It's us. We not only follow the glory. You come to church and we follow the glory, but we carry the glory. So that means outside these doors, who are the people in the neighborhood? Is you. Is you on your street carrying the glory. Somebody needs to do a block party in this street. I, I actually can do one. I'm the board president in my area. <laughs> people always laugh when they find out I'm the board president in my development. But yeah, and I, I love it too. Your screen door, take that off, wrong one. <laughs> what color is that? Charcuse. What? No, <laughs> chartreuse, cuse, all that. But anyway, I'm here. <laughs> but I'm that, I'm that guy, ride around on my little scooter, ding, 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 ding. What do you doing? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so that glory we ought to carry through our neighborhood. I think if my neighbors could say something about me, they might say the guy is, he's always smiling and he's always talking to us. Be that person. That way you see the glory. You don't have to be churchy. The Lord said, to, were you in churches? No, they will see your good works and then they'll end up glorifying the Father. So who are you in your neighborhood? You are a thermostat, not a thermometer. In worship, if I've seen thermometer worship where the worship leader is a thermometer, and she's like, oh, my gosh, or he, and they're looking, and people aren't moving, and she's like, what are you guys, a portrait? And she's just, and she's just watching, and it's like, oh, my gosh, and then the worship's not, she can't, he, she can't tap into the glory because they're a thermometer, and they're filling things, and they're reading things, so they're letting it control their temperature. But if you're a thermostat for Jesus, you can turn it when it needs to be hot, when it needs to cool down, you can cool it down. Then everything around you will adjust to the glory that you have allowed, God has used you to put out into the atmosphere. Who are you in your neighborhood? You're called to carry the presence of God. And this is a message when God told me, I'm seeing why, because you guys are building, on, uh, you have the land and you're going to start building all these great things you're doing. But God said, before they do that, before they, I, I get something out of them, I want to put something in them. So he's equipping you. So when you have this glory, you guys have went down there and you've worshipped on that land. He's giving you glory to reach that. I think it's on a corner of like two cities. Like that's just a perfect setup to display his glory. But first, while we're here, we want to be filled with his glory. That way when we go out, it will translate and it will be contagious. We are carriers we are called to carry this glory, this ark. It, it car they carried it. Now let the ark and the glory carry you. Carry it, then allow it to carry you. It, it'll carry you. It will give you power, provision, and promises. I want you to keep continue to hear that. I want you to know who you are. The story about the big hand kid that I was. <laughs> Andre told me who I was. He told me it's something that I had something that I possess. And you guys need to know, you're all, you're all Elastigirls. <laughs> Who's Elastigirl? From the Incredibles movie, The Incredible. Remember that? 
And there was a time in the movie, her husband got captured. Her kids were just running around trying to figure it out. And she lost her whole family. And she was just like, oh, no, what am I going to do? So she went to the old lady. And she said, my family. And she just boo-hooing. That old lady said, slap, slap, pull yourself together. <laughs> then she looked in her face and said, do you know who you are? You're Alaska girl. You're able to be stretched and bounce back. You're able to go through this trial and come out on top. You're Alaska girl. You're Mr. Incredible. You're able to be stretched. You're able to go through the fire and not even smell like smoke. Not just come out the fire, but not even smell, have a stench of smoke smell on you. How many know you don't look like what you've been through? Look at your neighbor and say, I don't look like what I've been through. Look at your other neighbor and say, I don't look like what I've been through. So follow and carry this glory. Bring this glory to your homes. Some of you come here and be like, oh, my children, they didn't get ready at late. And then you leave your children at home. That's the worst thing you could do. Bring your children to church because you're getting filled with this glory and your child is getting filled with something else because they were created to worship. So you're worshiping, getting filled, and you go home wondering why they, they, they're troubled. They have anxiety because you have to put them in the atmosphere of the glory. So when they grow up, they won't depart from the glory. They won't lose focus and lose track of the glory. Come on, give the Lord a hand praise. Hallelujah. The glory, the glory, you need it. You can't be a leader without it. You can't worship without it. You can't do what God has called you to do except you have the glory. Do you know who you are? You're going to leave here saying, I'm a last girl. You can say that for your girl. If you're a guy, say, use another name. I'm a last girl. Boy, no, you're not. The Bible verse that, that, that just <laughs> connects with that, it, say, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but some say not abandoned. I like that one. But you're not forsaken. You're struck down or cast down, but you're not destroyed because the joy of the Lord is your... Come on, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you need that joy. You need that strength. And even as you're praying and taking that glory to your homes, go into that child's bedroom that's having a hard time. Anoint their pillow. Anoint the doorposts. Anoint their come. They don't even have to know that you're doing it. You have to have that Joshua spirit who said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You need it. You need it. You need it. You got to have it. Go for it. People want to see Jesus. Let it be through you. Let it be through you. When they went to the ark to bring back the presence of God to the city of David, it not only blessed David's house, it blessed the people, and it blessed the city. It blessed his house, it blessed the people, and it blessed the city. If you're down, which I know some of you are down, something's on your mind now that's heavy, start blessing God. The enemy's like confused, like, why, wait, why are you praising God? And you got this going on. I know because I'm, I planted it there. <laughs> and you're just like, though he slay me, like Job said, yet will I trust him and praise him and worship him in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Well, before I pray, let me, let me do this, let me do this, let me do this. No, I want to pray right now. Now I'm going to jump back in. Lord, we thank you for this word because I feel this prayer right now is for it to fall on good ground. And Lord, it shall take, it shall take 
up uh, fruit and shall grow in the name of Jesus. So as I'm, as I'm ending, in Jesus' name, amen. So as I'm ending, I want us to pull up this last slide. This is something we have to do as believers. We have to stay in repentance. Stay in forgiveness. This is all the, for the glory's sake. This is to keep the glory because I, I forgot to mention this. These are called, if you don't do these things, they're called glory blockers. There's glory blockers. There's things that cause the glory to be blocked. And one is unforgiveness. So stay in repentance. Stay in forgiveness. Stay in unity. Stay in the glory. The blockers, unforgiveness. I'm going to stay there for a second. Guaranteed, I'm not even speaking prophetically. Somebody in here, some ones are dealing with letting that person go who heard you, who hurt you, excuse me. And it's causing you not to be able to worship like God wants you to worship. It's causing the glory to be blocked from, remember the cycle? He gives you glory. You give him glory. He is full of glory. This glory cycle. So there's something that's causing that, and, and, and unforgiveness is the big one. Because it, 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 it keeps you bound, and then sometimes the person you, you're, that hurt you, they're scot-free running. So stay in forgiveness, stay in repentance, because you're going to get hurt again. It, it, you're going to get hurt again. But what do you do with it? And here's the thing, too. You're going to hurt somebody again. So don't leave yourself like you're the boy as you. No, you hurt people as well. The saying goes, hurt people, hurt people. So let that person go. Just say, you know what, God, they're hurting. My wife always says this. She tells people when they're dealing with unforgiveness, she said the true sign that you're on the road to truly forgiving somebody is when you can pray for them. When you can pray for their well-being, pray for their family, pray for their success and pray that they will get to know Jesus when you can pray for them so I would ask you to do that stand stay in unity where there's unity God commands a blessing blessing comes with unity stay in unity stay in the glory the the devil would try to sift you guys as wheat as the Bible says you guys need to stay tighter than ever in this season where you're going about to go to your next because it's going to explode. And we need all you glory carriers to just spread the glory around. Stand to your feet. I'm going to speak to a few people here. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. You have a responsibility to carry the glory. He wants to get it to you so he can get it through you. You carry the presence of the Most High. With you comes his peace and his comfort, his provision, his promises, and his power. We need this glory. We need this presence. So as your eyes are closing, your heads are bowed. If someone is dealing with uh, unforgiveness, before I tell you, we'll ask you to do something. I want to mention the other blockers. Complaining. So ask God to forgive you for complaining. Complaining. Complaining can become a spirit and it can stop you from flowing in a full glory. 
father wounds, mother wounds. Yes, you were hurt. Yes, it could be a reason. It could not be a reason. It doesn't matter. We're gonna let them. We're gonna let them go. So let's talk about this unforgiveness. If that's you, that's still today dealing with somebody that you have not let go yet. I need you to look at me. Everybody else, keep your head bowed. I need you to look at me. I see you. I see you. Look at me. Yeah. Just, just if you're that person, that somebody you can't. It's hard to let them go because they did. But Pastor Will, you don't know what they did. You don't know the things they said. You don't know how they social media bullied me and how they told on me and told things about me that wasn't true or that may have been true. I see you. Yes. I'm going to pray for you first. Father, I will pray in the name of Jesus that those that have looked up, Lord God, that's still holding on, whether it's a mother-in-law, father-in-law, a parent, whatever, whoever, I pray that there will be a release in their spirit right now that you would cause them to have the forgiveness that you have where you said, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't realize the ramifications of what they're doing. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that you would soften their hearts, the people that are holding on to unforgiveness. And those of us that will be in that place where it would be hard to forgive something, Lord, give us that repentant spirit, that forgiving spirit that will continue to let people go, to release them from the penalty even the penalty that we deserve for what we have done. So, Father, I thank you for that. And as I pray, I'm going to pray this prayer, then we're going to sing, worship our way out. Wherever you are, if you're barely hanging on, I want you to go deep. Go in, just touch in. But if you have it all together and you worship well, you feel the glory, you're walking in that place, I'm asking you to go deeper because there's more. He takes you from glory to glory. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. We want your glory to overtake us. We ask now that your glory would just consume us in the name of Jesus. We want to be filled with your divine presence. So, Lord, we open our hearts and our minds, Lord God. We acknowledge that our lives can become consumed with distractions and demands from this world. But we confess our shortcomings and ask for your forgiveness. Today, we surrender. We surrender our worries, our doubts our fears and we lay them at your feet we release the burden of the weight that is weighing us down in the name of jesus father we invite your holy spirit to fully complete us we pour out your ask for you to pour out your spirit among us transform our hearts renew our minds may your presence be evidence in our lives that you are shining through us in the name of jesus as we walk this journey lord god grant us the courage and the faith to love boldly to extend kindness. Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence to permeate every aspect of our lives. Fill us. Fill our hearts. Fill our minds. Give us wisdom. Give us grace. May we reflect your character and may you be the source of our strength, the strength of our life. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you're welcome here. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.